Hey everybody, Raul here for Bass Musician Magazine and today we have the extraordinary honor and pleasure of chatting with the bassist for the Feelies and Wild Carnation and so much more, Brenda Sauter. Yay! Hi. <laughs> so Brenda, we have all kinds of things going on with both the Feelies and Wild Carnation, but we always like to go to the past. How did you get started in music and particularly on bass? Particularly on bass, I was in a group that had three or four guitarists and occasionally a drummer, no bassist. So I took up bass kind of out of necessity. That group sort of fizzled. I mean, one by one, people kind of left and moved on to other things. I still had the bass and I decided, all right, I'm just going to go with this. I really want to explore this. I took lessons and about six months later, the teacher said, go find a band. So it was out of necessity, but then it became a real passion. Nice, nice. And did you start at a very early age or when did you decide, because we were with a band? Yeah, you know, I was trying to pinpoint that date. When I started with music at a young age. In my family, everyone played an instrument. So I think if I did a little research, I could probably nail it a little closer, but I think it was 1979 mm. when I bought that bass. And it, it actually sat for a while because I was not in a group. I hadn't started lessons yet. So I probably started lessons in 80 or 80, 81. Okay. Um, and then just, I mean, I, I feel blessed that everything just kind of, yeah, it was a real journey, but I was able... It, it just happened. I was in the right place at the right moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially with women in on bass, there are not a lot of role models. Where did you find inspiration to pursue this? I would say because I have three older brothers mm -hmm. and no sisters, I just did what my brothers did. I didn't really think there was a, a, a separate role that I had to play. Mm -hmm. I started on guitar, piano and guitar. And so it was kind of a natural transition to go from guitar to bass. But actually, at the time that I was starting to, you know, get my, if you want to call it a career, off the ground, there were other female bass players. The, the bands that I was in and still am in played in Hoboken, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hoboken scene, but it was quite a scene in Hoboken, New Jersey. And a number of the bands had female bass players. I could say Red Buckets is one of them. Some that you know might be more obscure, but then obviously like Sonic Youth. So yeah, I didn't I didn't see it as you're not allowed to play an instrument. It was more, you know, I'm in these various groups, various bands, and yeah, I'd like to take this instrument up. Nice. Well, and you do have a list of groups. You've played with a lot of different people. What ones that stand out particularly again, Wild Carnation, maybe one of the, the longest. How did that get going? That was Chris O'Donovan and Richard Barnes. Richard Barnes later became my husband. They met through an ad placed in the Village Voice. Yeah, I'm, you're laughing at that, but yeah, that... <laughs> That, that was uh, an important magazine for musicians, or newspaper, I guess sure. it was more of a newspaper. So they cited their influences as um, Feelys, R.E.M. They got together, and then they were looking for a bass player. Actually, they were together for uh, a few years before 
before I came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And because Chris was a good friend of, of Stan Demeski from the Feelies, there was this connection, like Chris knew who I was. And we were at Maxwell's, hadn't met them yet. I just happened to be at Maxwell's to see a Yola Tango show. Chris and Rich were there to see Yola Tango. Chris spotted me. He was encouraged to come over and, and talk to me. They gave me a demo tape. And there's a, there's a funny backstory because I didn't listen to it right away. I had a, a cheap car which didn't have a cassette player. So it just sat on my table for a couple weeks. And then, I, and then I played it and I loved it. In the meantime, they thought that, or Rich thought that I just threw it out on the highway. You know, like put it in the tape player and just toss it out the window. Yeah. So I loved the song ideas that they had, and we got together. Our first practice was April of 1992, and just moved forward from there. I was kind of the default singer. I didn't intend to be a lead singer, but it just kind of, you know, just kind of happened. And one thing that I always wanted to explore but didn't really have the opportunity was to collaborate with someone to write songs. So Rich was very good at coming up with basic song structures, you know, riffs and chords. I was more comfortable with lyrics and melody. I would find there were just too many chords to choose from, and I just couldn't get started. But if I heard chords, then I would hear melody and start to hear lyrics. So it was a a perfect collaboration, and we just started writing songs together and by October of 92 we had our first gig which was at Maxwell's opening for the Bats. So it was a it was looking back on that was a real whirlwind to go from your first practice in April and then you've got a gig. We probably had barely enough songs to do a set at, at that point. Yeah, so it, again lucky. It's lucky to have gotten that opportunity. Nice. Nice. Well, and it's very exciting news. You guys actually have a reissue of your debut album coming up October 13th. And it's going to be a limited production. I think they're going to make about 500 copies It's being pressed into vinyl. That's kind of an exciting thing. There's actually more to the story. So Tricycle was our our first record, which actually came out um, Record Store Day. It was a Record Store Day release. There were 500 copies on white vinyl. They sold out, so what's actually coming out now is the next pressing of 500 on green vinyl. Hmm. So yeah, when we recorded it in 94, and it was actually released in 95, it was CD only, and those are, those are all out of print, so it was really nice to have it on vinyl, and it includes a digital download with, with extra, well actually the, the record store day had extra tracks like live tracks and demos so it it was you know quite a bit of music that comes with that vinyl indeed indeed and also so i have to say that okay so tricycle second pressing is now out it's at distributors superbus which is our second record or recording is now also out on well it soon will be out on vinyl it's just happenstance between two Wild Carnation records coming out and then the feelies, some kind of love. I don't know why 2023, but that's just how it rolled. 
lot, lots of vinyl coming out. We should talk a little bit about the feelies too, because as you were just mentioning, this first single is is coming out. Yeah, yeah. So the album is some kind of love double album. If you go to the feelies Facebook page or Bar None Records, there's more information there. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't actually. I don't actually have the vinyl in my hands. I just see a little picture on, on Facebook, and that's yeah. that's as close as I've gotten to it. Well, it's 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 on its way. And mm-hmm. circling back, how did you get started? How did the whole Feelies gig kind of come about? Oh, that again, being in the right place at the right time. I was going to a small art school in New Jersey. Happened to meet a woman. We became friends. And she was from Halden. She was friends with the sister of one of the Halden musicians. So just just stay with me. It's a, it can get a little confusing. So so basically met someone who knew people in the Halden, New Jersey music scene, and that would have included the Feelies, the Tripes. There was Young Woo, the Willies. So. There were a number of bands in Halden who, for the most part, played in each other's bands. And one of the reasons for forming these different bands was so that they could open for each other. Mm-hmm. So if you did a gig, you'd be in the opening band and the headlining band, and you wouldn't have to move equipment. Nice. But it, it, had, it, it, had, it had its kind of funny, practical roots to it. So I... You know, sorry to say I'd never heard of the Feelies before. I was just, I was more of a folky when I was growing up, so I totally missed MC5, the Velvet Underground. I I totally missed that. And then had to kind of, you know, I backtracked and learned. Obviously, I was now exposed to this other type of music and Mm -hmm. then just delved in in my, it would have been my early 20s, like 19 early 20s. Through this connection, I got to jam with the Tripes. There were no bass players in these groups with the exception of the Feelies, but the Feelies were kind of on hiatus at that point. Like mm-hmm. they, they would play a little and then not play for months. So I played with the Tripes and I, I totally loved the Tripes music. Mm-hmm. I used to follow them around whenever they did a gig. And I worked up the courage to say, if you ever want a bass player, I'd love to play and just left it at that. I didn't want to be pushy or anything. And I'm not sure how much time went by, but it, it could it was months, I would say it was months. And then I got a phone call from John, the leader of the band, main songwriter, and said, Do you want to join? We're looking for a bass player. Our first rehearsal, I thought it was going to be the tribes, the, you know, the tribes that I had been going to see, plus me, and there were different people there. And I, I just kind of kept my cool, like, okay, I'll pretend that I know them, but at that first rehearsal, and then from that point forward, the tribes were Bill Million on percussion, Stan Domeski on drums, John Baumgartner on keyboards, Glenn Mercer on guitar, Tony Peruta, Baumgartner on woodwinds and myself and i i hope i didn't leave anyone out so basically the tripes well glenn in the original tribes glenn was a percussionist so it was very minimalist and by the way there have been tribes albums put out 
in recent years. So what was once an out of print album is now available. So that yeah, it's been it's been re-released uh, a number of of times with different additional music. But the, the tracks put out an EP, so it's that plus plus other music. So yeah, so Glenn was percussionist, and in the new tribes, Glenn was now on guitar, you know, Bill on percussion, and we and now there was a there was a there was a drummer. But I believe prior to that, Dave Weckerman, who was also in the Feelies and Young Wu was the drummer for the Tribes um, for a, a short period of time. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's kind of incestuous because everyone just keeps <laughs> going in and out of groups and they reform and then they kind of stop playing for a while and they come out with a new lineup and it's, it's just the way it happens. Yeah, well, it is, it's kind of cool how in, the, in a geographic kind of localized area, you could have this swirl of moving pieces but is still a lot of the commonalities and i'm sure as you mentioned these band names i mean people that weren't on the east coast may have never heard of any of these folks but obviously you have a huge following and it's been especially i've I've heard with the feelies it's been a lot of people have drawn inspiration to go on and do their own musical careers Mm -hmm. from your music right right there is a, a graphic of a tree. I don't know if you've seen it. It was it was out on the internet of the Velvet Underground as being the, the trunk. And then out of it comes like the Feelies and other groups. And then off of those limbs come like Nirvana and R.E.M. And yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see how many bands were inspired by the Velvet Underground and also by the Feelies. Very nice, very nice. (laughs) And I would be remiss, because we always like to know a little bit, how do you get your sound? What gear are you playing on? These days, I have a Hardkey 500 head, Mm -hmm. and I was using a Carvin cabinet, two 12s and a horn, but it was just a little bit too bulky even though it's smaller I and mean, it's much smaller than the original gear that i had but you know it had to fit in a subaru and it was just like two inches too long <laughs> anyway so i was looking for something that was just a little more compact and also it was that carbon was getting a little bit ratty it was covered or is covered in felt and it was just getting mm. kind of torn apart so i went to a local music shop and was hoping to find, I was hoping to find a brand new Carvin. They're not making bass cabinets right now, but they said that they intend to, and I, I just couldn't wait. Yeah. So I discovered Dark Glass. Okay. Which I think is a newer company. I, I, I personally had never heard of them before. It's a very lightweight cabinet. It's the, you know, it's the newer technology of not having heavy magnets. It's like this new material that's mm-hmm. like probably half the weight. And another thing, you know, as you're aging, you don't want to be carrying around, you know, 80-pound cabinets. So this is, I think it's about 30 pounds, and it's compact enough where you can reach around it and not throw your back out. So for practical reasons, I needed to find something new, and I, and I love it. And our um, sound man, the Feely sound man, gave a, a big thumbs up. Nice. Um, he loves the hard key, and he loves this dark glass. So I keep the carbon in the basement and 
now the dark glass uh, travels with me. There and you it go. fits. <laughs> it's well, and dark well. glass, they actually have been, they've been around for quite some time now. I think they've been, they, they caught a lot more attention on the prog rock players. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it, it was, they kind of had a following with, a more particular genres and a lot of it had to do with the kind of sounds they were getting like with their boxes they've got a whole assortment of sounds that people i personally just like to hear the straight bass sound and it'll do yeah, that yeah. it'll do that too but yes. for a lot of the rock genres if they wanted to tweak it and change it and modify it it had all of these possibilities and then they they kind of got uh, enveloped into the Korg envelope, the Korg Spectre, Black Star. All of these are under one big umbrella now. Mm -hmm. So it, they've 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 got a, a growing following, and the weight it, it's a that's a yeah. continuous theme I keep hearing mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it plagues us all, and I think of it myself, you know, because. One of my cabs has wheels, the other two don't, and so mm -hmm. the, the wheels one <laughs> is the first to go out the door because who wants to carry stuff right. that doesn't roll? So yeah. I, I hear and, you there. And from an aesthetic point of view, if you've ever seen uh, Feely's gear, it's it's vintage. You know, uh. it's old. You know, old amps and cabinets, generally like a tweed, tan vinyl covering. You know, very kind of pristine in a way. And there was my felt, my shredded black felt <laughs> that looked like, you know, it belonged in a, at, at CBGB's. Yeah. Um, so the dark glass really looks, it looks like it belongs because it has the, it's sort of a, it's not, it's like a silverish color. Yeah, sort of a silver, but it is a, the same material that the other Feely's amps are made out of. So now it really, you know, looks looks nice. Nice, nice. Um, and do you have a preference in strings at all? Yeah, Diodario. I have been using ground wound round for years because the squeaking of round wound would just drive me crazy. But having said that, round wound sound good in a band because it just gives you a little more of an edge. Mm-hmm. I've always liked more of the mid-tones, the mellow, more like a McCartney sound. Yeah. Where you, you hear those warm, I mean, it's very bassy, but there are those, those mid-tones that are prominent and warm sounding. When we were recording here before, I used various basses and I borrowed one that had wound round, really squeaky wound round strings. <laughs> And it sounded good because it had a little more, you know, bite to it, mm -hmm. and and it just fit the sound of, of that particular song. Yeah, I actually have wound round on. I keep a set on one bass, and I keep the ground wound round on my Mustang. But then after seeing Get Back, I saw McCartney with those black strings on his bass, and I thought, whoa, what is that? Because mm -hmm. Whatever he did to get his sound, I, I wanted that, you know. So I bought the, well, Roto Sounds, I think they're called. Okay. They're yeah. English uh, mm -hmm. and had them put on another bass. And I, I, I like that. I like the sound. Still, I'm not totally set on it because 
you know, I wonder, all right, does it fit with the feely sound? It, it seems to, but I, I didn't, I didn't go out and restring all the basses with McCartney strings. I'm still holding on to different types. Gotcha. Um, actual bass guitar gear. I started out, the first bass that I bought was an Ibanez, just a, a standard Ibanez, couple couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But I was really set on getting a Rickenbacker, and I saved up and finally got a Rickenbacker. By the time I joined the Trikes and the Feelies, I was playing Rickenbacker. Love the sound of them, even though like that, I would say, is an opposite sound of McCartney, because the Rickenbacker is you know, high-end, low-end, sort of a colder sounding curve mm-hmm. but i just love this i would hear recordings or, or you know hear something on the radio and it's like that's got to be a rickenbacker and then when i saw the first video of rem on mtv and saw mike mills's rickenbacker you know i was uh, you know really like you know inspired but rickenbackers are heavy so i moved on to a p bass which is not much, much lighter. I had uh, trouble playing. I started to develop carpal tunnel syndrome mm-hmm. in about the mid eighties. And so I really wanted to get a small scale. And I don't know if they actually really officially existed at that point. So I actually had a, a special neck made by a guitar maker by the last name of Kulik. And that, that's actually stuck on this former P base and, and had I just had different things done to it. I took the paint off so it was all like natural wood. So the Culet base was what I used for many, many years with a regular P base as a backup. Mm-hmm. And then in the early, well, the Feelies got back together in 2008. You could say we were on a, a long break from 91 to 2008. And then a year or so later, we played a show with real estate and a bass player had a Fender Mustang and I saw how small it was and I, I struck up a conversation with him. And at that point, you couldn't get Mustangs. So I had to just stick with the Kulik. You know, I, I would go through music catalogs from time to time and never any you know, Mustangs. And then one day there was a Mustang and I just ordered it. You could choose, uh, I think it was black, red, or white, and I, I went for the red. Nice. And that's what I've been playing since then. And our, again, our sound man loves the sound. It's really balanced, really easy to play. Sweet. So I, I'm not, I don't go, I don't collect, you know, I, I don't like to have a lot of mm-hmm. bases around. I just want a few and so if i if i find something that i'm happy with like that's it i'm not going to go looking for you know 1950s or 60s um whatever i just i just want something that i can that i can play easily nice well it sounds like you've avoided acquired getting gear acquisition syndrome which plagues the bass community (laughs) (laughs) and guitar community oh yeah (laughs) but anyway as we look ahead what is in the future? I know we have the releases for the Feelies and Wild Carnation. Some have tour plans, anything coming up? We just do shows when we can. Okay. So Feelies, there are two shows coming up in November. Wild Carnation, you know, we thought we might play somewhere during the summer, but it's end of August now, so the summer is it's kind of come and gone. So, yeah, we hope to play shows, but... Post-COVID is just kind of 
it's it's a it's a different I don't know maybe if you're a bit younger you just kind of go with the flow but mm. when you when you were you know you, you couldn't do anything for a couple of years and now you're you know you're in your 60s or so yeah and then you're trying to figure out well how do you get into these clubs now um, I mean some of them reopen some of them close for good how do you navigate what seems to be a new situation? So like Wild Carnation, you know, we'd love to do more shows, but it, we're just kind of in a little bit of a doldrum right now about like, okay, how do we, how do we book shows? You know, where, mm -hmm. where can we go? And so it's just, it's basically East Coast shows, definitely East Coast shows for the feelies. Feelies are not traveling far from home these days. That's, you know, that's just the way that it is. So people fly in from all over the world when we do have shows, which is, it's amazing how nice the fans are. Look, you know, look on our Facebook pages. and That was going to be my next thing. Okay. They can look at the webpage, thefeeliesweb.com. And then Facebook, both for the Feelies and for Wild Carnation, right? Yeah, yeah. And Wild Carnation is also on Bandcamp. We have a YouTube channel, we're on SoundCloud, but I, you know, personally have not gotten, I, I was, I had time and I was getting ahead and getting it all on there. And then just there, there just isn't enough time in a day. So there isn't a lot of activity on those websites. Um, actually, yeah, Facebook, Wild Carnation Facebook would have the most activity and, and the Feelies Facebook page as well. Like those, those are easy to just, you know, pop something on. The others are just a little more of a challenge for me personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to chat with us and share your story and all of these wonderful things that are happening. Folks, you've seen her here on Bass Musician Magazine, Brenda Sutter. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Stan was in Modern Drummer, so now I can say I was in Bass Musician. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alrighty. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm.